going on, and welcome to another episode of Deep Two, a basketball podcast where we talk the latest in the NBA, as well as sprinkling in some of our own Mata Spicy takes here and there. Today is Monday, May the 1st. It's going to be May. No, it is May, and it is about 4.10 p.m. Uh, we're recording this, obviously, before the Monday Night Games, but today I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Ryan Stanley. Ryan, how are you living? I'm living fantastically, Keith. How are you living? Well, as I was telling you, I'll let the listeners know, I just spent about an hour in traffic, um, and I consider myself a pretty patient guy. I'm pretty even-keeled. I don't get flustered too easily, but as we were supposed to record about 40 minutes ago, I was just sitting on the interstate uh, behind a bunch of trucks, and I just felt like, man, how much I'd rather be talking about um, Jimmy Butler or even Kevon Looney or anything else rather than sitting in this traffic. Mm. So I'm just glad to be here on zoom and uh not in my car anymore who's the worst player that you would rather sit around and talk about than be in traffic hmm let's see i'm gonna probably because this is pretty fresh on my mind i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with keegan murray even though and and that sounds like a disrespectful thing because you said worst player but you know I, i i just i watched a lot of him yesterday and that may not be the 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 best content to watch, but I think, I think he's where I draw the line. (laughs) All right. That's respectable. (laughs) All right. So, um, last time we recorded, it feels like, it feels like ages ago. Honestly, we were still at that point, we were still in the middle of, of all the round one series. But, um, now, um, as of today, we are finally all in game or all in round two, um, yesterday and we will get to this. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Yesterday, the Warriors closed out the final round one series, um, and they won game seven against the Kings, but um, I don't want to get to that quite yet. We're going to start by jumping back to last week um, and talk about a specific uh, a specific legend, um, a beloved character, um, well, at least at least uh, before before Sunday, a beloved character give it, among give us it a couple more weeks <laughs> among us, among, um, all, all of our, all of our basketball loving friends. Um, his name is James Butler, also known as Jimmy G buckets, also known as Jimmy gets buckets. So last week, we're not, even, we're not going to get to the next stuff yet. Next heat stuff yet. Last week we saw Jimmy Butler and the heat take down Giannis and the bucks in five games, a gentleman sweep really a surprising outcome for that series. Um, I don't think anyone was really expecting that kind of beat down, even after Giannis went down with that injury. I don't, I, I think everyone kind of expected the Bucks to come back and rally. You know, they are, um, they were for me. And, and I've said this multiple times on the pod, they were my finals choice. They're my championship choice, but um, behind the power of Jimmy Butler, the heat were able to take, um, the Bucks down in five games uh, without Tyler Hero, you know, with with some pretty poor performances from Bam Adebayo offensively. Um, but Jimmy and then all the all of these guys who are who are undrafted, who are um, guys like Kevin Love, buyout candidates, Kyle Lowry, you know, the twilight of his career. Um, just a bunch of, you know, in, in with lack of a better way to say a bunch of nobodies and Jimmy Butler um, took down the number one seed and advanced to the second round. Um, Ryan, before we move on to the sec to the second round games against the Knicks, uh, any any comments you want to make on that Bucks Heat series? Um, 
I'm trying to to detox all the hatred from my body real quick so I can be objective about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. I I mean, I didn't think that we would get this from Jimmy Butler again. I mean, I think that's uh, how most people probably felt about it. Like, 2020 was very special, and and even Jimmy's kind of like put that behind him. He's put out a few quotes this week. I'm sure you saw about how. Like, he has no clue what happened. He's just, like, trying to look forward to this year's playoff series. So, uh, just crazy that he's just able to turn it on like this. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the the Heat, man, they just have so many, like, guys who can shoot. And they shot the lights out against the Bucks. Uh, I really, I mean, I don't think that the Bucks quite had the right player to throw at Jimmy. And I've seen, like, we'll have to touch on this just a little bit. But, like, I've seen so many takes this week about how, like, the Bucks had Giannis and Drew Holiday, and all the Knicks have is like Josh Hart. But like Giannis and Drew Holiday aren't the kind of guys that can guard Jimmy. Like they're both like either five inches taller or shorter than he is. Um, so they don't really have like a real wing that they could that they could put on him. And uh, dude, Jimmy, when he's locked in, he has so much to his game, man. Like people see like the crazy shots and the scoring and all that, but like. Man, his playmaking and his passing ability is like, like I really don't think there is a player like him, like a you know a, a guard slash forward type wing who can do like any of that the way that he can. It's just it's absolutely crazy. He doesn't have to score at all to like absolutely torture defense. So uh, that combined with with that shooting, you know, still Bam's still been a little underwhelming. Uh, but you know, I think uh, I think the Bucks were both of our probably finals favorites. Uh, they were mine. I mean, yeah. So, uh, it, it's crazy that they only won one playoff game this whole year. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. One more than the Nets did. So insane, man. Going back to Jimmy, and and we'll we'll kind of lean into this second round here in a bit too. Um, Jimmy Butler. I feel like you know last last pod we talked about how that twenty twenty season. Uh, postseason where the Heat went to the finals against the Lakers and uh, Jimmy just had some outstanding performances and and took the Lakers to game six. You know, we talked about how that was kind of the turning point in uh, most people's minds of, oh, wow, Jimmy really is is that guy. You know, he's he's a a a person that you would um, you would want in the playoffs. And I feel like this round one series, even though it was just a round one series because it was a such a huge upset eight seed over the one seed. And then obviously against a guy like Giannis, who in my mind is is the best player in the league right now and just has been super do- dominant offensively and defensively. For Jimmy to come out and do this, you know, he obviously had the 56 um, in that game six, and then he comes back and scores 42 in this closeout game. I wasn't, even if, I, w- I was hopeful that Miami was going to win when they were up 3-1, but I felt like there would be some fight um, from the Bucks in that in that closeout game. To where maybe they maybe they stretched it to six or even seven games, um, but Jimmy just had he he just put on the hero mode. But just to talk about the Bucks real quick, um, a lot of the talk I don't know if how much you've kind of sensed this. A lot of the talk hasn't necessarily been around Giannis. He had a good game, um, but something that uh, was kind of funny to watch at the end of that game um, was because it was a tight game the whole time, and and obviously they only won the the Heat won the game by two points, and so. Um, at the end of the game, there was that that call that ended in a jump ball, um, and then the Bucks won it, won that jump ball, and Giannis gets the ball. But he's, you know, uh, Giannis, and at that point had had shot maybe like 
18 free throws at that point and only made like seven or eight. He was really poor from the free throw line that whole game. And so he gets that, he gets the, uh, the ball after the jump ball. And you just kind of see this play where he tries to toss it to Middleton, um, who was, you know, right across the court from him, um, but almost ends up throwing it out of bounds. Um, and it was just, it was this weird, that was, it was just a weird reaction from an elite player. You know, he just did not want the ball in his hands because they knew, he knew that he was going to get fouled. And um, obviously he hadn't performed from the line. So that was, to me, that was a huge moment, um, not just for that series, but for Giannis as well. I think that, that, that the, his shooting, his free throw shooting, and then his jump shooting have been uh, just something that people have criticized and said, you know, that's not, his game is not complete quite yet until that happens. And if he does end up becoming a good shooter, he would be um, probably the most dominant player ever. Um, so that's, that was kind of, I could see that, that haunting him in that game, especially towards the end there. But really the, the main talk about why the Bucks kind of collapsed in that way um, is because of the coaching. Uh, we saw Coach Bud um, just fail to call timeout, a timeout at the end of um, overtime. Uh, he ended up, the, the last play of the game ended up with a Grayson Allen dribble out. He didn't even get a shot off in time. So um, just really weird calls from, from Coach Bud. Um, he, he didn't switch Giannis onto Jimmy, um, even though Drew is, you know, one of the best defenders in the league. And um, even among NBA players, I think he was voted like best, best perimeter defender in the league among, among players. So, uh, but, but Giannis made some comments at the end where he was just like, uh, well, you know, you got to respect the coach's decisions. Um, obviously, I would have loved to guard Jimmy, the best player on their team, but um, Drew's, a, Drew's a heck of a defender and whatnot. So he gave, he gave you know, a pretty professional and non-controversial answer, but it was enough to kind of have those, you know, have those thoughts in mind of like, is Giannis content with Coach Bud being his coach? Um, I, I think that there, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Bud is out of there um, in this offseason. Um, but as far as as far as Giannis and the Bucks go, you know, what do you see moving forward with them? Yeah, it, it's tricky. You know, winning a title is is almost an unfortunate thing here because uh, it it makes it really tricky for them to move on from uh, Mike Budenholzer. But I mean, honestly, man, it, it's really hard to tell. But like, it, they could have a different coach. Like, they could have a better coach. Um, like say if they had like an Eric Spolstra in there who I know like wouldn't leave the heat for like the Bucks, but um, you know, if they just had like a top tier NBA talent at the coaching position, you know, maybe that one title that they won becomes two or three titles by now. Like it's really hard to tell. Um, but yeah, man, it, it, one thing that wasn't really talked about a whole lot, um, at least not by us. And I haven't really heard about it on other podcasts is, uh, you know, Giannis is like back spasms that he's dealing with. Like JJ Reddick mentioned on his podcast, uh, the old man in the three that um, it's like, it, he, he mentioned that he's had that a few times and it's like almost impossible to play. Like it's just miserable. Um, and I, I wonder if that contributed. Giannis is not the kind of guy who would ever mention it, but like when I saw some of the uncharacteristic stuff, like the, the passes that were like just way off target and, uh, so like he basically had no game outside of three feet from the basket. Uh, it just made me wonder like how much straining that back was like causing his game to just get completely thrown off. And, you know, like I said, he, he's not the kind of guy who is ever going to like complain about it, but like, I don't think Paul George would have played in that series if that were him. Uh, so props for Giannis, at least like coming back, you know? Absolutely. And uh, even though, despite the the stuff at the end with the free throws and whatnot, he, he, he put up 38 and 20 
You know, he did. It's not like he came back and and dropped fifteen and five and yeah. you know failed his team. He did everything, and um, it just you know Jimmy just wanted it more, and the the Heat wanted it more. So, um, but yeah, I th- I think in my in my mind, it's it's really it's really up to the coaching to be able to make the right adjustments around this team that is is pretty. They're you know it's it's an older older team and as far as comparison to the rest of the league goes, but um, this team is pretty well built around this. Um, you know, once in a lifetime superstar in Giannis. So um, moving on. So the Heat beat the Bucks and um, are now facing your New York Knicks, who closed out the Cavs in five games last week as well. Um, so as far as and, and yesterday, we got game one of that game. Um, the the Heat take that game by 10 points. I believe it was 104-94. Um, it's, it was a pretty tight game the whole time. And uh, what uh, unfortunate well, it could have been much more unfortunate, but an unfortunate thing happened at the end where uh, Jimmy kind of went for the shot, landed, rolled his ankle, um, landed funny, and um, he ended up being okay enough to stay in the game, but he was really just a, a, a decoy out there. Um, but in that game one, um, and then just talking about what you kind of see for the rest of this series, um, what do you think is uh, the, the key for your Knicks to come through in this series? Um, that's a good question, man. Uh, that score was, I gave, I gave you that look. If you notice, it was one, one Oh eight to one Oh one. It's a little closer. Um, one, one shot closer. Exactly. But Hey, I need something to hold on to dude. Um, man, if, if the Knicks, uh, if the Knicks are going to win this series, man, uh, a few of the things I noticed in the game yesterday, I'm going to try to keep this brief because I could talk all day about that one game. Um, it felt like they were determined to not let Jimmy beat them, which, you know, if we'd basically, if we'd been able to get in a pod before that game happened, I would have said that I don't think that Tom Thibodeau is going to let Jimmy Butler single-handedly beat him in four different basketball games. And I still stand by that. Like, I don't think that that's going to happen uh, regardless of Jimmy's injury that he has right now. Um, You know, I, I think that the gravitational pull around Jimmy was obvious. You know, they stuck, they sort of did this like Patriots Bill Belichick thing where like they didn't put the best defender on Jimmy, but they double teamed him with two average defenders like the whole time. Um, and and it, what it ultimately created was Jimmy, like I you know, mentioned, he's an incredible passer. He was kicking out and then they would just sort of, if you notice this in the game, I noticed this play like several times. I think they did it like 10 times, but they basically Jimmy would draw a double team. He would kick out and they would just kick the ball around the three point line until somebody was wide open. And they just did that so many times. So the Knicks can't just keep doubling Jimmy like that. They're gonna have to, they're gonna have to switch to Josh Hart. And then if he blows by Josh Hart, which is hasn't been easy for players to do in this playoffs, they have to like anchor that paint with Mitchell Robinson. Um, on the flip side, you know, I I don't like drawing on the Jimmy injury thing too much, but like, dude, the fact that they didn't even exploit that at all. I mean. <laughs> when there's like two minutes left in the game and it's like still just like a couple possession game and RJ's calling for the screen to get off of Jimmy who like literally can't move. Like I was losing my mind and that's part of the RJ Barrett experience. Like it's like, there's nothing going on in his head sometimes. Uh, It's like all he can do is just play basketball, but he's not playing it with any thought whatsoever. It's like an unconscious effort. And so to him, it's like, Oh, Jimmy Butler's in front of me. Let's call for the screen. And it's like, yeah, but he sprained his ankle and hasn't like 
he hasn't played defense in five straight minutes now. <laughs> uh, you know, we need Julius Randle back. He we could afford to lose him against the Cavs, uh, just because of the matchups there. I mean, Obi Toppin had a few great games, but we cannot afford to uh effectively give Caleb Martin, who is an incredible defender, by the way. We can't afford to let Caleb Martin just like roam free and like lock down random guys. So all that to say, I think that this will probably go the length. I know we're gonna do our picks here at the end, so I won't spoil it yet. Um and one one last note that I made on the future of this is if if we'd been able to pod before yesterday's game, I was gonna mention that if I were Bam Autobio, I would be absolutely terrified because like dude I I don't know how like intensely you watched the Knicks Cavs series or any of the listeners did, but like man like Mitchell Robinson took Jarrett Allen and like wherever you have Jarrett Allen, like on the best centers tiers here, you got to move him down like two full tiers now. Like he lost millions of dollars playing in that series. It was unreal. Um, and so far, I mean, you know, it was pretty much a wash last game. The rebounding was pretty much the same. Both of them played their usual brand of great defense. So, um, yeah, I mean, all in all, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks are essentially a team that plays basketball one way, one specific way. They have a ton of different dudes that can play all kinds of different roles, and the Heat can beat you tons of ways. So it's going to be a fun series. Jimmy's going to swing you know, two or three more games in his favor. Um, those shooters are going to have a couple games where they knock down 60% of their threes and you just can't keep up with scoring. Uh, but the Knicks are a much more uniform and deep team. So I'll just see who wins out. Honestly, they're very... The way they're currently constructed without Tyler Hero and Julius Randle is they're basically very even teams. Yeah, I would agree. the The Knicks are very much more uniform as as I watched as I've watched so many of these Heat games and these playoffs. It's just so ridiculous <laughs> the things that start to happen. Um, you know, in that obviously you know again in that game one against the Knicks, we saw um, some vintage Kevin Love outlet passes that led to some just breakaway buckets. Um, we saw a ton of just random, like, like you were talking about, uh, Caleb Martin just being uh, somebody who is a playable and valuable defensive player on a playoff team. Um, Kyle Lowry, and I, and I texted this to you and Zach, that He's the most effective 10-point-per-game scorer or 10-point-per-game player I've ever seen. You know, the, the one Lowry play, and I know that the, everyone has, has kind of talked about this, the one Lowry play is whenever, um, I, can't, I think it was Gabe Vincent, he was, he was running the ball up towards the end of the game, still, still a tight game, um, and Vincent got closed up by, I think it was probably Josh Hart, I think maybe Emmanuel Quickly was in there, and so um, they, were about to for, they were about to force a turnover, um, and Kyle Lowry just on his feet just thought, oh, let me call a timeout real quick. Those are the kinds of plays that it's really valuable to have Kyle Lowry on your team. Those, those plays, obviously all the charges he takes, um, he'll die for balls. He'll, and then he'll randomly drop, you know, 20 to 30 just uh, off a hot shooting night. And so, um, but it is unpredictable what's going to happen on the heat of especially, you know, not necessarily knowing the status of Jimmy Butler's ankle sprain. Um, I saw today that he is, there's a good likelihood he won't be playing um, in game two. So that'll be a good chance for the Knicks to uh, even up the series. If somehow, I, I don't see this happening, but if somehow the Heat take another game in MSG, 
without Jimmy Butler. That I think that'll spell trouble for the Knicks. But um, like I said, I don't think that'll happen. It was such a close game. Um, and and one other thing I'll say about that: just hearing um, hearing the crowd on TV at Madison Square Garden is is something else, man. I, I I've I've obviously heard all the legends of uh, of Knicks basketball, but I, I think that was one of the most enjoyable enjoyable crowd through the TV experiences I've ever had. Oh yeah, dude. It is so much fun, especially like, I feel like there's a little lull kind of when the heat came back and took the lead. But, um, if the Knicks maintain like a two to four point lead for a few minutes is so hype, especially like you get fast break dunk or whatever like that. But yeah, this, uh, is definitely really special. I, I do hate that Jimmy got hurt, man. I, I don't want, like if he has to miss the rest of the series, like, you know, I don't think that that's really going to happen. I don't think that he would let that happen. But if that were on the table, like, I wouldn't feel good about it. Obviously, I'd love to see my team win, but that would suck. I want to see him. I want to see Julius Randle on the court. I want, you know, best versus best. Um, that's, you know, that's, I mean, honestly, too, man, uh, just to follow up on something that you just said, like, that veteran leadership was so apparent. And the Knicks are definitely lacking that. Like, uh, Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry are – yeah, they 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 only look like their former selves for a few minutes per game, but like they still bring like so much knowledge of the game that like I mean the Knicks can't match that with anybody. We we barely have anyone who's won a playoff series on our roster. So um, those guys have won championships. And um, one final thought though, I, I'm just gonna throw this out here. The uh, <laughs> dude, when people talk about how like Draymond and Chris Paul can get away with so much because like refs are just used to them but like when other players try to do it in the same game they get called for stuff man i'm gonna have to rescind my 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 drafting the the toronto raptors first overall for in our last pod oh my gosh like there's so many stills like uh you know, Kyle Lowry insinuated that play from josh hart where jimmy butler sprained his ankle was a dirty play it of course was not they were both going for a loose ball i mean it just happens but people have been responding with these like beautifully artistic stills from the game yesterday where it's like a play's happening and kyle lowry is somewhere in the play doing something ridiculous i have to send some of these to you because it's like there's one where he's like mid-air with his foot in rj barrett's stomach like just <laughs> it's like he's jumping up for the ball but he's also kicking him and like there's plays where he's like just yanking people's arms away like during play it's like he is he is an artistically dirty player and i love it i'm not i'm not complaining about it i'm just saying i'm going to hate Kyle Lowry over the next few days oh yeah Kyle Lowry it, what we don't realize or what we don't talk about is that Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul are cut from the same cloth like it's just that Chris Paul was is better than him like just as far as his overall play goes Kyle Lowry hasn't got that kind of attention like Chris Paul has but they play so similarly just as dirty, um, just as like tricky. They just try to they 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 know how to form the game to go their way in ways that aren't necessarily you know fifty bombs and crazy crazy defensive like nights. It's it's just like sneaky, super annoying ways if you're playing against them. So um, I I can definitely I, I can definitely get behind that. I, I love Kyle Lowry. You <laughs> know he's he's just a, a funny guy. Uh, but yeah, I can see that if I was playing against him, it would be super annoying. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. 
speaking of uh, Mitchell Robinson, you know, you're talking about him and just the uh, really stepping up on the rebounding. It's it's funny how we have two centers that are just you know calling themselves um, or are really proving themselves as as two guys that may have been slept on. You have Mitchell Robinson, like you said, I think 11 offensive rebounds in in that last game, um, and and 22 total or 20 total or something like that. And then um, over in the West, we have Kevon Looney. They're out of nowhere. On, on the Warriors, just having an insane rebounding series against the Kings. Um, I, I was talking to somebody today about Game 7 of Kings-Warriors, which we can dive into, um, that this was, I, I think that Steph was going to get his, was going to get his. He was going to get 50. He was going to be, you know, the offensive leader and the, the tone setter. Um, but the, the X factor in the game, um, I would never have expected this, but the X factor throughout that whole series was Kevon Looney. Um, he, he stepped up and uh, became that internal or the interior presence that they desperately needed with Draymond being on the last, last couple legs of his, of his career. So um, talking, let's, let's dive into this Warriors King series. You know, one of, one of the best series I, I've been able to watch. Um, it's, it's something that like, like we've talked about, just, just has everything that you would want in a basketball series with, um, two two teams that are, you know, in in ways likable. You have Steph and his and his veteran laden team, and then you have De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis and all these young guys. Um, what are some takeaways that you had from that seven game series? Number one, I mean, you know, we we both kind of came out right after the game and were uh, pretty heavy with the like, uh, is Steph the greatest point guard of all time? Takes. Now I've cooled down a little bit because I don't know. I've barely ever watched any Magic Johnson games, but I'm ready to say yes. Um, dude, quick aside about Steph, man. I mean, he it's like every step of his career, no matter what criticism he gets, like he's answered it. And like there's not a lot of players who've ever done anything like that. You know, like when he was just such a, a heavy three-point shooter, you know, the, the rub on him like in the early 2010s was like if you just close out um basically just like attack the closeout and like um don't just play lockdown defense on the perimeter immediately but sort of run at him he'll you know shoot worse and then he just learns how to like take a handoff and shoot while on the run and shoot from 35 or 40 feet out and it just kind of defeats that you know he gets thought of as one of the worst defending guards in the league, and now he's one of the best defending guards in the league. You know, he wasn't a finals MVP, and now he is a finals MVP. And then, you know, the criticism was that he's not clutch and, and can't do it in a game seven, and he just had, like, the greatest game seven of all time. So I'm done doubting Steph Curry. I'll, I'm going to put it that way. Um, in fact, like, I, I don't know what else he has to do. He's firmly one of the greatest players of all time, and I'm not, like – breaking any news there for anybody but uh yeah this the series was great man i love the chippiness i feel like it was uh it was just delightful back and forth you know you have the kings like feeling very we believe warriors ish um in so many different ways but uh on the same at the same time you have the warriors you know you have steph obviously telling them to light the beam yesterday when he when he got his 50th point um you know, you have uh, Draymond taking shots at Sabonis literally just now. I saw something pop up on my phone uh, while we were potting. But, uh, you know, I, I love it, man. It was, it was an incredible series. I think the future is bright for Sacramento. 
I'm sorry for pouring dirt on the the Warriors last pod. They are clearly not over just yet. Um, I'm sorry to Steph Curry for doubting him. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about this. Uh, Other than, uh, you know, Kevon Looney, incredible, impactful um, rebounder and defender, but also the Kings have, like, absolutely no one in the paint. Um, I mean, Sabonis doesn't even, like, I I wouldn't even, like, really count him as much of a paint presence because of how much he plays out of the perimeter. Uh, You know, next round, he's going to be, you know, Kevon Looney's going to have to go up against Jared Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis, and there's a lot of really good bigs who are as good or better than him that are going to be, like, rotating in and out, and he's sort of the lone guy that the Warriors have. So um, this might be Pete Kevon Looney for the playoffs, but, hey, if it is, great. I mean, he's like 320 rebound games. I think Steph listened to our last pod because we did we we talked about this whole uh this whole tone setting culture setting thing and um right <laughs> right after the Warriors won game 7 it came out with all these stories about how Steph was just sleepless the night before the game because of how the Kings embarrassed them after game 6 and then apparently he gave what his teammates called the greatest speech of his career to to pump them up and get them ready for game 7 um we saw if if you anybody has seen Draymond's uh podcast literally pr- he recorded like directly after the game, um, which is so funny to me, but he talked about uh, Steph just saying like, you know, talking to first clay and Draymond and, and saying, you know, let me, let me give the speech, you know, to the team. And um, obviously it worked. It, it pumped them up. They, they did exactly what they um, needed to do to close out that series. Um, so Steph, um, obviously like, like Ryan said, we apologize for, for doubting, not just your, not just your uh, ability to, to, close out and and perform but also your uh your culture setting abilities um <laughs> uh, but we'll like you said we'll see we'll see against these lakers and um a probably much better and more experienced team than the kings were uh but with the kings i wanted to give a loving a loving farewell to them um uh, this is this season by no means just because they lost in round one by no means was a failure um this was probably the best that they could have that they could have asked for and and even more honestly because um they made the playoffs after however 17 years or something like that um they made the playoffs and then took the defending champs to seven games and um could have easily taken them out if if some other things had gone their way so um as far as the kings you know for them what what's next for them um something that uh and you kind of mentioned this with with Sabonis you know he is the only part of that team where I'm just unsure of the, what the future looks like for him on the Kings. Um, he was, he played very poorly in this, in this series and very poorly for him is not, is not terrible in as far as the whole NBA landscape goes, but as far as a star player on a, on a good team goes, um, it just wasn't, it wasn't what he has. Uh, it's, it wasn't what he's done for the rest of the regular season. And so, um, as far as what's next for the Kings, I think that they can go into next season hopeful, but also knowing that there's got to be whether it's whether it's shopping Sabonis and finding um, some someone else that can uh, ha- that has more just ability to to play through the pressure um, and and just more versatility, or maybe it's finding a big that they can put at the five next to Sabonis to kind of cover a lot of his defensive um, liability and. Um, his his lack of rebounding, but as far as what's next for the Kings, do you have any thoughts on on that? 
Um, yeah, I definitely agree that they need a they need another big on the inside to pair with him. Um, and because of the flexibility that you get from Sabonis, it can really be like any type of big. Like you don't like you don't necessarily need some kind of like switchy like super athletic guy. I mean, in a perfect world, they could go out and get like a DeAndre Ayton. But honestly, like ironically, sort of the player that that would help them the most would probably be like a Miles Turner even though I, that didn't really work well in Indianapolis or in Indiana, which I technically is Indianapolis. I mean, that's where the, the team plays, but um, you know, that, that pairing didn't really work out there, but I do think that it would work out much better with this, uh, this Sacramento lineup here. I feel, I do feel bad for, for DeMontis bonus because in a lot of ways he reminds me of Julius Randle and his series that he just had reminds me a lot of Julius Randle's series against the Hawks a couple years ago, where it's just hard to be like, like the all-star power forward for a team and then play up against like a, a much more well-rounded guard heavy team, like the, the Warriors, you know, you're going to get exploited. It's going to make people kind of doubt you. Um, But as far as the bonus goes, I mean, he's, he's rightfully an all-star. He's rightfully going to be probably second or third team all NBA. Once the season ends, uh, he deserves those, those accolades and uh, playing up against Draymond Green, who is uh you know, probably the best player in the league at defending a guy like DeMontis Sabonis. Um, it's not going to make him look good. So there's a lot of other scenarios where I could see them playing other teams and he could have had a pretty respectable series, but I don't know. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of playoff experience either. So maybe the lights were just really bright for him. So um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't blow it up or anything. I mean, give it another year in the playoffs or two before you decide who you think DeMontis bonus is, but it's unfortunate because he, I mean, he did look pretty bad. The Lakers took down the Grizzlies um, in six games. It, it was uh, quite the, quite the ending for the Grizzlies. Um, and I, I, I don't want to spend too much time on it. We've talked so much about the Dylan Brooks stuff and um, all that, but quite the ending in that, in that closeout game for the Lakers to, uh, take down the Grizzlies uh, by 40 points. Um, 40 is just, and it's so, it's, it's just funny. You know, the, it's poetic. I think, I think this is just a, a beautiful, a beautiful gift from the basketball gods of um, Dylan Brooks saying, you know, I don't respect anybody until they give me 40. And then his team loses by 40 um, in the closeout game. Um, as far as this next series goes, we get, while, while I wanted the Kings to, to prevail, because I just, you know, I just have bitterness towards the Warriors, even though I like Steph. Um, the we do get a very exciting series in the Lakers and Warriors. We have old man LeBron versus kind of old man Steph. Um, we have LeBron versus the Warriors once again. After I saw this, I saw this meme today that it was like 2015 to 2018, and there's someone saying not another LeBron versus Steph uh, playoff round or, or finals, and then. Uh, 2023. It's like, yes, we get LeBron versus Steph once again. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of how we all feel. Um, what are you seeing in this Lakers Warriors series? Dude, I feel like this could go so many different ways. This is the series that I feel the least confident about in the second round. Um, I think that the Lakers are a significantly deeper team. I mean, I, so I didn't catch the last couple Lakers Grizzlies games, but I I've been watching like the like NBA thing on YouTube where like they can they condense the game down to like ten minutes and you can watch it and uh, dude one thing that's apparent is especially the second the the game seven against the Grizzlies was like you know 
basically every single play was a Lakers play because they only show like important scoring plays and uh you know they won by 40 so that's what happens so what what stuck out to me about that was that you know it, it seemed like every single highlight was like a different person making a crazy play you know whether it's Jared Vanderbilt Rui Hachimura who's just still going after um I think it was Desmond Bain so that he had like the one good game of his career or whatever and he's just continued to have great games since um you know Austin Reeves has given him stuff D'Angelo Russell can get hot from time to time. Obviously, LeBron and AD. Um, dude, that team, they have so many dudes, and I just don't feel like the Warriors have a whole lot of dudes. I mean, the Warriors kind of have like that thing going on right now where they're a little bit overrated um, outside of Steph. And um, I don't know. Like, I mean, there, there's so many areas on the rosters when you stack them up side by side where, you know, I think that the Warriors have the best player going into the series, but I think that the Lakers uh at least like two through eight probably have a vast majority of the better players yeah you mentioned earlier when we were talking about kevon looney um and just the difference in uh looney and draymond having to defend sabonis and um whoever their other big was you know harrison barnes or uh, <laughs> insert insert random player here. uh the difference between guarding those guys versus guarding lebron and anthony davis at your four and five um I think that if I agree with you, I think that the the Lakers are much deeper and have more guys who can get you buckets. Um, but you also have the you have the unpredictability with them, um, especially with Anthony Davis. Um, if you look at the box scores of the Lakers Grizzlies series, you would and and you just and you knew nothing about basketball. You never watched anything else. You just looked at the playoff or the, the box scores for that series. You'd probably think that Anthony Davis was like one of the, you know, worst 150 players in the league, um, simply off box scores, uh, because he just wasn't in, in, for a lot of that series, he just wasn't a factor, which when you, when you think about Anthony Davis and you, if you do know basketball, you know that he is at his, at his best, one of the best offensive and defensive, uh, two-way players in the league. Um, and you just didn't necessarily see that on a consistent basis. I think that if he can't lock in, the Warriors are the perfect kind of team to to exploit that. Um, LeBron, at this point in his career, is still a great player um, and still able to, like we saw in that game six, he's still able to turn it on um, and and you know be a killer in some ways. But he's not he's not that consistently. Um, it, he he takes a lot of defensive breaks. Um, he doesn't. He's not locked in every single second of the game because simply his, his body probably can't take it. Um, and so the, I think that the Lakers, they may, they, they probably are walking into this pretty confident because the Warriors are pretty depleted um, as far as offense goes. Uh, but I, I feel like if the Lakers are too confident and not careful enough to, to walk in completely locked in, um, they could, they could get exploited. Their weaknesses could easily get exploited by, um, an experienced team like the Warriors um, with this, with that Warriors, also with that Warriors King series, um, we didn't see a ton of amazing games from guys like Clay Thompson or Jordan Poole. Um, Clay Thompson actually had a really poor game in that game seven, uh, but luckily Steph, you know, did what he did. Uh, but that that's bound to happen, right? You, you got to expect that to happen with Clay, even though he is not the same Clay that he was, um, you know, four or five years ago. 
he still is able, you know, to he'll he'll still be able to drop a random 45 to 50 point game um probably in this series, you know. Um but I guess we'll see what what happens like I'm kind of like you. I'm not really I'm not really confident in in either pick here. Um but we'll we'll get to we'll get to that in predictions. Um but I I'm just I'm just I think that that series is going to be uh, a, just a fun one to watch and to see. Um I think that it's the one thing I'm not looking forward to at the end of it is if if the Warriors do win, um we talked about earlier the 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 discussion between is is Steph a better uh a better point guard than Magic all time, you know, and that's a that's a fun conversation. It's it's they're they're such different players, but the conversation I don't want to start having is is Steph greater than LeBron um and and you know, diving into that. I don't think that many sensible basketball fans would talk about that but that's going to be a that's going to be a case of conversation you know that they have the same amount of rings they beat Steph if Steph beats him in this um in the second round at this point in their careers it just it's going to be a matter of conversation um that I'm not looking forward to having but other than that I'm really excited for that series yeah so um, let's just quickly touch on um, the other two series that we have um, in the West. We have Suns versus Clippers, which in game one, the Clippers or sorry, not Suns versus Clippers. Suns beat the Clippers um, pretty handedly. The uh, Suns versus Nuggets. Um, and in that first game, the Nuggets uh, pretty, pretty decidedly beat the Suns. Um, didn't look too great for the Suns. The, uh, you know, when you have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, you know, I'm just like, they're going to, they're going to get their, their buckets and um, you're going to be fine. Um, and with the nuggets, they've had a ton of regular season success and not as much postseason success. Um, but they look after that, that game one, they look like a really good postseason team. And, um, if they continue to play like that, I can easily see them making it to the finals, um, and making a good run there. Um, so anything that you have on that Suns nugget series, um, any predictions that you got? Honestly, man, the only things that I've noticed uh, just from that one that one game that they've already played, uh, the Suns outside of Durant and Devin Booker, which I mean that every I feel like everyone who has talked about this series begins by saying something about how Durant and Booker are great and the rest of the roster is not. But the Suns just look like really slow and in Denver, man, they're getting out on these outlet passes. Uh I, I don't know. Like I it, this could get away from real fast. I can see this only going. Oh, I don't want to spoil my picks, but I could see this being a shorter series than other ones. Surprisingly, um, just because, like, I mean, it it felt like Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon were like having simultaneously the best games of their careers, and they might actually have been the best games of both their careers. Um, man, they like. I mean, Phoenix, like everyone has been saying, they don't really have an answer at that wing position. And it was it was abundantly clear. I mean, like those two dudes would get out in transition, and Jokic just kept finding them. Um, I watched the the highlights of that first game. I, I watched the first game live, and then I went back and watched like the abbreviated version of it. And it was like I swear there were twenty five plays where Jokic got a rebound, and then just turned around and threw it down court. Like he was throwing a touchdown pass to one of the two of them, and like Phoenix just can't stop it, and they don't have the guys who can get back in transition for it. The biggest problem I see too with the Suns is um, DeAndre Ayton. Just he he just doesn't look like <laughs> he doesn't look like he wants to play basketball at a, at a high level. Um, I don't. I'm sure you saw, but there's that clip of um, when Jokic went up for a shot and he missed like five times, but he kept getting the rebound. And DeAndre Ayton was 
like right underneath the basket, basically just watching Jokic and then two other Suns players who were obviously smaller than DeAndre Ayton, um, just fight for this fight for this rebound. And it just it was just like what what is going on in this guy's head? You know, he's um he's a physically you know, dominant presence as far as, you know, he, he has the stature, he has the strength, um, he's there, but it, it mentally, it just seems like he's, he's not, he's not locked in enough to go up against, you know, a two-time MVP in Jokic. And that's what the Suns need. They need someone to um, not necessarily stop Jokic because who's stopping Jokic, but someone to at least slow it down or, or halt him or make him make dumb decisions. Um, Jokic is going to, Jokic is, is one of those guys that he's going to find a way and all you can do is make it harder for him to find a way. And I feel like DeAndre Ayton's not doing that at all. Um, and if DeAndre Ayton's doing, not doing it, then who's going to do it? You know, is, are they going to throw Bismack Biombo in there and expect him to <laughs> be the defending center against, um, the two-time MVP? Um, I, I think that it's the Suns are, are just another victim of that uh the the mindset the thought of oh let's just put like three really good players together and get rid of the rest of our depth and it's going to be it's going to be great and that's just it it rarely ever works out and we're seeing that with the suns um obviously that's just a game one reaction so it could be an overreaction we could be c- completely off and the suns might come back and you know beat the 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 nuggets four in a row um after this but based off that game and based off what we saw, what we've seen of the Suns with Kevin Durant, which is a very small sample size, I don't see them going very far. Um, I, I, can, I see the Nuggets um, as a much more complete team that'll be able to handle the Suns pretty easily. Um, the other series that we haven't talked on talked about yet is the Celtics Sixers series. Um, it was announced that uh, Joel Embiid is is doubtful. Um, actually, I think it, I think he's confirmed not to play in this first game. Um, so I think that this is this is the Celtics' chance to um, to take advantage of that. Um, Joel Embiid has been one of the most dominant players, probably the most dominant as far as um, just overall goes in the league this season. Um, scoring leader, defensive, just a complete anchor for that team. Um, and so the Celtics, while they're a great team as well, um, they need to take advantage of Embiid being out. Um, if the Sixers can somehow pull out this win, I think that'll be good. I think if they if the Sixers win this first game, um, they can probably sit Joel for one more game to give him some more rest and let him come back healthy um, in the, in game three. So um, anything, any thoughts that you have on that Celtics Sixers series? Um, yeah. I mean, Joel Embiid is like, uh, first of all, he, uh, I think is already doubtful for game two as well. Um, but yeah, several of the worst lineups in the NBA are actually Sixers lineups without Joel Embiid in them. So, I mean, he is like, he is everything to this team. It just sucks. Cause I feel like, I feel like the Sixers had made great strides, especially Joel, especially Joel Embiid, had made great strides um, to get away from like that that history of like injuries and everything like that. Um, sucks that this happens. Um, this is is a sprained ankle, isn't it? Yes, I think that's that's correct. Yeah. I mean, you can't can't help that dudes roll their ankle all the time. Um, so it, it just sucks that. He is getting plagued by injuries after working so hard to sort of overcome that reputation. Uh, but somebody who did not work hard to overcome any reputation all, at all is James Harden. So um, I don't know if you saw that thing about him, but he just had three days off and flew to Las Vegas. And just been partying. So I did not uh, see that. <laughs> yeah, dude, he spent all of their off days in Las Vegas. So um, 
Shout out James Harden, just not caring about the fact that you're a professional basketball player once again. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe he's just like, hey, this is going to be a stressful series. We're going up against one of the best teams in the league. I just need I just need a little breather. And Joel's out, you know. <laughs> he just he just needs some sort of some sort of happiness in his life. That's where he finds it <laughs> on the dance floor at a at a club in Vegas. Um I had I had one more thing to say about that. But oh, oh, uh we haven't talked about regular season stuff in a while, um obviously, but um, it's looking like what, everything that I've heard and everything I've seen is looking like Joel Embiid is, is probably the favorite for MVP, um, which I think is going to be, I think, I think that's, the, that's a, that's a great pick. Um, I think it's about time he gets his flowers. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really awesome to see his resurgence over these past couple of years after a lot of his early career being plagued by injuries, being plagued by Ben Simmons and just, un, uh, four unlucky bounces, uh, from a Kawhi shot. Um, so hopefully he can get back in this series and, you know, Celtic Sixers is a very underrated rivalry in my opinion. Um, that's been going on for, for several years now. Um, and you know, the Celtics, I I feel like I've had the upper hand. They made it, I believe to more conference finals and they obviously made it to a finals last year. Um, so they've, they've been a little bit more successful than than the Sixers have been these past couple of years. Uh, but I think this is, if there's any time it's, it's now. Um, and, and also, we don't know what James Harden's future looks looks like. There's still all the rumors about him returning to Houston. Um, obviously, he he won't address those things, and so we don't know what that's going to look like. This might be this might be the best window right now for them to to really do something. So, uh, really hoping that Joel gets back and and can make a difference in this series. All right, let's give our picks for this round two series. Um, just go down the line. What you got? Um. All right, I didn't write all these down, so I'm going to have to do them from memory. Uh, Knicks Heat, I'll start there, because that's the first one that comes to mind. Um, I think it's going to go back and forth several times. Like I said, Knicks play one type of basketball. Heat can beat you a whole lot of different ways. But uh, if everybody's healthy, don't know the injury history, literally just got an alert on my phone saying that Jalen Brunson is for some reason doubtful for tomorrow. So I'm going to go panic and read that in a second. But... uh, (laughs) If everyone's if everyone's healthy, I'm taking Knicks in seven. Um, they still have three more games at MSG. I'm counting on it. Uh, Boston, I think, uh, once again, don't know the injury history. A lot of rolled ankles, man. A lot of them. Um, man, I'm going to have to say Boston, it's either four or five for me. Uh, just depends on if Joel Embiid even gets a game in. Um, I must say Joel plays at least one or two games. I'm going to say Boston in five, um, in the West, I'm going to take, uh, man for the Suns Nuggets series. Give me the Nuggets in five as well. I think that's going to be a shockingly short series, uh, just too much speed and, and, 35-year-old Kevin Durant can't give you 40 a night so that your team can overcome all its stuff. Honestly, like, too, you kind of touched on this, like, like they just feel like they're built like a 2015 super team, and that just doesn't win anymore. Like, you, a team's discovered a few years back that, like, you have to have, it's better to have, like, two superstars and a ton of depth than affect, I mean, quote-unquote three superstars, if you want to count Chris Paul. Um and that's, I mean, you're seeing current basketball roster building versus an older way of thinking right now. And Denver is, is clearly the better team. Um, and then, 
man, the, this is the hardest one, the Lakers Warriors series. I would say just because Steph can't give you 40 to 50 every night. Um, and Clay has looked bad, like you mentioned. Uh, Jordan Poole looks borderline unplayable. Draymond's, uh, I mean, Draymond can't defend two guys at once. And the Lakers do have a lot of big, or a lot of good bigs they can throw at you. LeBron's going to single handedly win at least two of these games. So I'm going to have to go Lakers in seven. All right. I'll go down as well. Um, Heat, Knicks. Um, I'm, I think it's going to be just as close a series as you think is is going to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna swing and go Heat in seven. Um, Fake. What'd you say? Nothing. Okay. Uh, uh, definitely didn't say fake. Oh, fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So Heat Heat Knicks Heat in seven. Um, that's purely based off of Jimmy. So if he ends up being more hurt than he is, then you know that might be dead wrong. Uh, I think that. They like like we already said they match up really well and but Jimmy Butler to me is is the is going to be the best player um, in that series best player on the floor any game that he's there um, as long as he's not as long as he's not hobbled um, so I'm going Heat and seven for that one uh, Celtics Sixers I'll probably go I have a good I have a feeling that Joel is going to be back you know I, I, within I think he'll be back by. I think he'll be back by game two, even though you just said he was doubtful. Um, but if not, I, I'm sure he'll be back by game three. And I think that he won't he won't go down without a fight. I think he's seen enough disappointment in his career. So I'm going to go, but I'm going to go Celtics in six, um, maybe seven, but I'll, I'll stick with six. Celtics in six, I think they're just more, the more complete team. They're coming off of a, a finals run. So um, they, I think that with this series against the Hawks that they just played, I think they learned enough from that series being way closer than it should have been to lock in a little bit more. So I'm going to go Celtics and six for this one. Um, over in the West, Suns Nuggets, I agree with you. I th- I'm going Nuggets in five. I think Kevin Durant can win you a game um, just by being, you know, vintage Kevin Durant. Uh, but like you said, it just, th- that team is just not built for success, especially against a team like the Nuggets, who everything is firing on all cylinders uh, for the Nuggets. Jamal Murray, we didn't even we haven't even you know said his name on this podcast, and I don't even know how long. But Jamal Murray, he is um, back to back to bubble Jamal Murray, which he doesn't like being referred to. <laughs> he he demanded demanded some respect um, after that first game against the Suns. So uh, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., um, you know, obviously you have Nikola Jokic, so you you have this really complete team. I think they'll take it at five, and then Lakers Warriors. I also think it's going to seven, and I also think the Lakers are going to take it. Um, that is a series that I hope goes to seven just for the, just for the entertainment's sake. Um, but for all the reasons you said, um, LeBron, he can win you a game, you know, by himself. Um, if Anthony Davis locks in, he can win you a game, you know, just, just by dropping 30 and 20, like he's able to do. Um, but I think that the Lakers will, I think the Warriors will put up a a good fight because they have Steph and because of all the, the chippiness that they bring to any series. Uh, but I'm going Lakers in seven for that as well. Hey, quick aside, uh, as someone who is not a fan of one of these teams, do you think it's like, do you think it's cool that we're getting like all of the original, like kind of like NBA franchises, like the big, like historic ones in one playoffs, which like really hasn't happened basically in the league's history. Like you, you have New York and Philadelphia and 
uh, Golden State, which I guess are kind of the same franchise in a weird way. Um, they both claim Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, yeah, Boston, L.A., uh, I think that uh, Miami, I think that's it. But uh, you get like all the historic ones. I saw someone say that like unless you're a fan of these teams, then you don't care. But how do you feel about that? I I didn't think about it that way, but I think that's really cool. Um, I think that's just a there. It's like when people say you know the playoffs are better when the Lakers are in it, when the Celtics are in it. You know these these classic teams that have um, that you know were the foundation of today's NBA. I think that this has been some of the most entertaining basketball that we've seen playoff basketball that we've seen in, in several years. Um, and obviously I always go back to, you know, that stretch where it was just LeBron and Steph, which I appreciate more than most. Um, but going back to that, that KD warriors era, you know, it's, um, it's nice now to not even not know, like we don't, there's no one who knows. We thought, like we talked about, we thought the bucks were going to make it to the finals and probably win. And, we just didn't see that. And another th- cool thing I saw, and I'm sure you saw this too, was on Twitter, um, it, there was someone who tweeted that there is one of every seed in the playoffs still, one through eight, um, which I think is super cool. Um, you, don't, you don't really see that. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a top-heavy playoffs at all. Um, you, have, you have every single seed represented um, in the second yeah. round. So um, that is really cool. Yeah, you think about that, and uh, the way that, honestly, just the, the deeper teams have been winning all these series, I mean, the Knicks over the Cavs, the Lakers over the Grizzlies, uh, like I was saying, I, I expect the Nuggets over the Suns, the deep teams as opposed to the superstar teams, and the fact that we have every single seed represented in the second round, I mean, the NBA, as far as like parity goes, has just like changed leaps and bounds over the last few years, and it's made the playoffs so much more fun to watch. I think it also it also proves the the talking point of that the regular season doesn't really matter like it um the thing with with the NBA and seven game series in the playoffs is that the best team is going to win. You know, if you can't if you can't beat a team four times, then you're probably not better than them. Um and so we but we see that and then we, but then we see teams like Milwaukee go down even even with um, the Cavs, not only they only won one game against the Knicks. You know, you see that and you don't expect these things, and that's what I really love about the NBA. Whether I'm, you know, whether I wanted Donovan Mitchell to be in the in the playoffs still, or whether I wanted, um, you know, Kawhi and Russell Westbrook. You know, it it's it, you can't predict it anymore, and I think that that's just that just goes to um, really make a testament about uh, how talented guys are across the league. It's no longer a, you know four-team league anymore it is anybody has a shot um i think the play the play-in tournament has a lot to do with this um i I think it's it's really watching the nba for me has been such a better experience over these last like two and a half years Um, so i've really appreciated that all right we are going to wrap with a quick game um and and ryan doesn't know what we're doing here and he's probably um, he's probably you're probably not gonna like this one as much um, simply oh, because no. of the simply because of the times that we're in and the current the current state of um, our playoff situations. But um, we so I think it was the very it was probably the second episode we did this. Um, we did Carmelo Anthony or insert player here, and you had to choose Carmelo oh, Anthony no. or that player. Um, so I feel felt like it was fitting with all of the all of the recent um recent 
uh, performances by um, my beloved James Butler, um, everyone's father. And we do a Jimmy Butler or insert player here. I don't remember what I called this game. I, oh, this or that. That's what I called it. Yeah. Um, so this or that. The this is Jimmy Butler. And so I'm gonna name. I'm gonna name some players, mostly current players. Um, and I want you to say, would you rather have Jimmy or this guy? And I, I want to say, I want to preface it with this too. Um, think about it in this in the in as far as who would you want right now in the playoffs maybe not like right okay. now but just in general in the playoffs like you need to win you need to win a seven game series you know who i was gonna taking? say if we're talking like a mid-december tuesday night game <laughs> i'd rather have like tory craig than jimmy butler but if we're talking like right now currently there's almost no one in the playoffs that i'd want more <laughs> Okay, let's see. I'll try to throw some some legends in there too, and uh, maybe be maybe be a little uh, sacrilegious um, when it comes to basketball things. All right, let's go. Jimmy Butler or Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, Giannis, that's that's <laughs> blasphemy right there. <laughs> see, see that that's I, I had a feeling you were gonna go that direction. Um, and Giannis has won a finals though. <laughs> It's fair. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. Um, maybe I should have gone specific to the season. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know, man. It, if if the game's on the line, I know that Giannis got me to that point for sure. But if the game's on the line, I think I'd rather have Jimmy. Um, and that's probably biased, but I, I don't even care. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. That's, that's insane. Well, who's number two? <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Or current LeBron James? Oh, man. Uh, I actually think that they're so similar with how they're playing right now. Um, God, I guess I have to go Jimmy just because his counting stats are better. But they both kind of do that thing where like they, they have like one really good game and then kind of a bad game. And it's like you don't really talk about the bad games. But <laughs> people talk about the 56-point games for sure. Um yeah, LeBron's kind of doing the same thing these playoffs, but Jimmy's stats are are just a little bit elevated. So I'm gonna take Jimmy. I'm a everyone. I mean, you you know this. Most people that know me know this. I'm a big LeBron fan, um, and I'll defend his legacy forever. I think I'd rather have Jimmy right now as well. Um, but I can't I can't explain it. It's like I would want Jimmy in this year's playoffs, but if it were Game Seven of the Finals, I would want LeBron, and I can't yeah. explain that. But that's how I feel. All right, let's go Jimmy Butler or Jalen Brunson. What? <laughs> Jalen Brunson, the Jimmy Butler of guards, as I call him. Um, dude, you can't do this to me. I'm not answering this. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> I, would, I would die for Jalen Brunson, first of all. I would name my kid after him. Um. Man, does Jimmy have a sprained ankle in this? He does. This, 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 this is this is perfectly healthy, Jimmy Butler, and perfectly healthy Jalen Brunson at that. See, I was gonna say uh, something about how at least with Jalen Brunson you get his like fun personality because like he is a really funny dude, uh, but Jimmy Butler is also an incredibly funny dude. You know, you get like the blasting country music in the gym at four a.m. I guess I'll go Jimmy. Mm, I know that was painful, man. <laughs> it's okay. And oh. that 
I need Jalen because I'm sure he's listening to this. I need you to go out and win game two <laughs> with whatever change. mysterious injury you have. Yeah, and change. He's 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 gonna go out and change your answer for you. Um. Okay. Let's go, Jimmy Butler or Jason Tatum. Ooh, uh, Jimmy Butler. I don't like Jason Tatum, and also Jimmy Butler. Just like, like his bad games are like, like fifteen and eight, and like he is passing the ball around and barking at his teammates and like getting everybody to play their best basketball. Jason Tatum's bad games are like he shoots two for fifteen and like has six points and like looks sad on the bench. <laughs> yeah, for for a guy, Jason Tatum, for a guy who is supposed to be a star and you know ha- was in MVP discussions. He is wildly inconsistent still at this point in his career. When he was younger, it was more passable, but it is it's tough to watch sometimes where um I think I can't remember who said this. I think it was I think it was Bill Simmons on on um him and Rusillo's podcast, but um in that in the twenty twenty two finals, Jalen Brown was easily the better player, the best player on the Celtics. Um, which doesn't make sense because Jason Tatum is is supposed to be the star of that team. Um, but his inconsistencies, even like you know, even when LeBron and AD are, you know, even if AD has some monster games, it's, it's still LeBron who is, you know, hailed as the best player. But as far as the Celtics go, you know, Jason Tatum, just, he's so inconsistent that you can't, you can't definitively say that, um, as, as regularly. Um, but yeah, I'm going Jimmy as well. All right, let's go. Um, I'm going to go a little classic here. Okay. Um, and, and steer away from this year's playoffs because I, or this year, this, this current, um, this current selection of, of NBA players. Um, let's go Jimmy Butler or Tracy McGrady. Ooh, um, very similar players. Uh, man, I'm going to have to go. I just, I feel like Jimmy's, well, I guess we can't take careers into consideration. Um, I was going to say something about how Jimmy's peak has like kind of lasted a long time now. Like it's almost been 10 years. Um, but you can't, that doesn't really matter with one individual playoffs. Or it's in my mind when, when we do classic players, just lay some ground rules. I'm taking 2023 Jimmy Butler in the 2023 playoffs. Or if it's Tracy McGrady, it's like, like 2007 Tracy McGrady in the 2007 playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you got to contextualize it to the era they played in. Yeah. Um, ah, man, I think I'm going to have to go T-Mac. I just, ooh. Yeah. I don't know. Jimmy's passing, though, is significantly better. I, I'm going to stick with T-Mac, just honestly, because it's a toss-up, and I feel like I need to quit answering Jimmy for all these. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll probably go T-Mac, too, and that, that pains me, obviously. But um, I think just off of pure skill and if we're taking t-mac at his healthiest and you know without all of the injury you know danger and history i think that t-mac is one of those guys that <laughs> and um, i'm sh- i know you saw this what i shared um the players voted on the top you know top 10 players of all time and tracy mcgrady was tied for fourth with bill russell somehow but with that i i think it's you know, because of how good he was as a basketball player, you know, his career doesn't speak for it. But as a basketball player, you see um, the the infamous clip of him getting like, what is it, 13 points in, in 30 seconds or something like that. And um, when he was on the Rockets, um, you see that kind of thing. And he's, he's 
just undeniably a gifted basketball player. And Jimmy is is a gifted basketball player for sure. Uh, but his he is he's gonna he's gonna grit and grind his way to that clutch moment. Whereas T Mac, you put the ball in his hands, he's getting the bucket. So I'll probably go T Mac. Um, also just to kind of differentiate my answers as well. All right, would we'll you do just a couple more? Let's go Jimmy Butler or a healthy Paul George. Ooh, oh my goodness. Um, also two very similar players in in my mind. Yeah, honestly, too. So, uh, offensively, like as far as scoring goes, um, Paul George is definitely a better three point shooter. Um, Jimmy is a borderline unstoppable mid range shooter and finisher at the rim when he's like really dialed in. Uh, PG, I think, is a, a a clear tier above Jimmy as far as being a defender goes. Um, I actually think Jimmy's defense is a little overrated. Uh, but Jimmy is much is a much better playmaker and much better passer. Um, God, man, this is tough. Uh, ultimately, what I'm gonna give it to is I'm gonna I'm gonna take Jimmy because I've seen him get to the finals, and I have not seen Paul George hold up throughout throughout an entire playoffs. Not even just like injury history, but like even his game just kind of breaks down as the series goes on. Yeah. And Paul George said it himself, you know, as, you know, the humble guy that he is. He said that he just he realized that he couldn't be a first option on a team and he works much better as a second option, which is you don't hear guys saying that. But I appreciate that comment because I totally agreed with him. Um, I love Paul George. Love his game. Uh, but yeah, he's he's much more of a elite secondary guy that can be a first option any given game, but just not on a you know, he's not going to be the, the star to lead a team to a championship. He's like the best version of Jalen Brown. Yeah. Know? Yep. All right. Let's go. Let's go with this last one. Um, and I want to see if you overreact as much as I do, um, as much as I would. Um, let's go with Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard. Oh, like <laughs> what Kawhi Leonard am I getting? Like, like, honestly, it doesn't matter. I'm taking Kawhi. <laughs> I don't, you can give me Kawhi with a torn quad muscle and I'm taking Kawhi. <laughs> Okay, so you didn't overreact as much as I would, um, because I'm I'm right now screaming, um, <laughs> Jimmy Butler is your father, um, on the rooftops when I'm faced with that question. Um. <laughs> oh my gosh, no, dude, Kawhi. I mean, Kawhi has won two finals. He's a two-time Finals MVP. He's like the best defender I've seen in my life. He can literally score from anywhere. Like closest thing to Kevin Durant I've seen in another player. I mean, he has. It, I don't know what peak Kawhi is. Um, I would actually contend it was like 2016 Kawhi, who I thought should have been the MVP. Um, or 2016-17 Kawhi is who I thought should have been the MVP. That was the year that Russ won it when KD left. Um, but that year was, was, I mean, honestly, like my favorite like individual season from any player. Um, I don't, I don't know, dude. I might even... I might even be overreacting to Kawhi at this point, but like I, my memories of peak Kawhi or even Toronto Kawhi or even like, even like March of this year, Kawhi, like dude, when he is at his best, like I just don't know any player in the league. Who's that good. He is somehow in my mind, the most underrated and overrated player of all time because he's overrated because of the inavailable, inavail, unavailability, whatever the word is. 
Um, he's just not available as much. Um, that's why he's overrated in my mind. But I agree when he is available and healthy and playing at his peak, the peak of his powers. I, there are very few guys I would take even at their primes, you know, guys who are legends that I probably would still take Kawhi over them when he is at his peak as a basketball player. He is the full, he's the full package. Like he's, he's the most well-rounded player that we've seen. I think that Jimmy is like, um, Jimmy is a tier under Kawhi when it comes to just purely not based off of their history or their career or whatever. Um, he is just purely like Kawhi, but not as good. Um, and so, my overreaction was that I would take Jimmy simply because of the availability or lack thereof of Kawhi. Uh, but I, I do have to, I do have to give him his flowers. I, I'm not of the camp of like, Oh, Kawhi's over Kawhi's like an overrated player. No, like when he is, when he's on, he is the best player in the league. And not only can he, you know, give you 30 to 40 and, and close out any series that he's, that he's the, the prime player in, but he can also lock you up, and we've seen we've seen him lock up Kevin Durant. We've seen him lock up LeBron when he was whatever twenty one years old. We've seen him lock up Giannis um, a couple years ago when he was on Toronto in Toronto. So um, yeah, this just somehow ended up being a a Kawhi praise uh, podcast, <laughs> but not too mad about it. <laughs> we'll see. Now I just need to go back and watch the uh, Toronto Philly series and see them play against each other. So get kind of both of. Like, I think they were both kind of like at their peak at that same moment. So yep. really special. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. Um, we want to thank all of you guys for listening and we're excited to get back in. Round two is upon us and we've got a lot more exciting basketball to happen. Right. It's always been or it's always been. It sounds like we're about to, <laughs> <laughs> this will actually be the last episode. No, I'm just kidding. Um, episode this 20. Is, <laughs> this has been a pleasure as always talking hoops with you. Um, and we hope to catch you guys next time. It deserves a shout out. Ah, the king. Shout out to Ben Stiller. <laughs> that was a that was a curveball. <laughs>